Welcome to episode number 83 of the Marine Layer podcast. Our free agent profile of the week is J.D. Martinez. His DH spot is now filled on the Dodgers, so he's going to have to go somewhere else. Could it be the Mariners? We'll take a look and see if that's a fit. We'll take a look around baseball with our MLB wraparound. And as always, close out the show with Speak Your Mind. This show is brought to you by our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85, our favorite place to go hang out, eat some great food, get some good priced drinks, and watch a bunch of games because there's 22 TVs in the place. That's Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. If you haven't been, make sure to go and go get some pizza and go get some good priced drinks. And speaking of those good priced drinks, when are they the best time to go get them? Well, they've got some good happy hour specials. It's Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. The specials include $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 House Wines, $4 Mac and Jacks, and $4 Wells. All that, great food, great drinks, and a bunch of, spe- a bunch of space to watch the games with your friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Before we start the show, this is your reminder to download our episodes, leave us a five-star review, and follow the show wherever you're listening on the audio side of our podcast. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube, and follow us on social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Thursday night, December 14th. We let off our Wednesday episode with a Jeff Passan appearance on Seattle Sports earlier in the day. Today, here on Thursday, we'll lead off this episode with Cal Raleigh's appearance on Seattle Sports this morning at 9 a.m., a lot of people were expecting something from Cal today. It was very notable when Cal popped up on the schedule on Wednesday to appear there on Thursday. He was on with Mike Salk and Brock Heward on Brock and Salk. And really, Lyle, he didn't he didn't give much on the radio today. I think people might, were expecting something, but he didn't really give them anything to react to. I thought Cal was pretty buttoned up. He was much more tame than Jeff Passan earlier in the week. Those answers felt media trained. I don't know about you, but it felt like those were very prepared answers that Cal gave, which is a little bit different than the way he spoke at the end of the season. You're right. Does it benefit the offseason? Does it benefit the Mariners for Cal to not give a media trained answer? It does like does it benefit them for him to start just spewing stuff on the radio while under contract again? Does, like not really, right? No, it doesn't. Maybe I'm selfishly looking for some funny content because the offseason so far has been so forgetful and so just miserable flat out that maybe I was looking for any way to get some get some juices flowing. Listen to Cal say something similar to what he said at the end of the year and double down on everything. But I, I it seems like he's probably learned his lesson because his tone was very different this time. He was given the opportunity, especially there at the end of the interview, Mike Saul gave him the opportunity. He was asked a question along the lines of like, how are you guys reacting to how this offseason has played out? Like, what do you truly think this clubhouse thinks? And I think Cal's, I believe Cal's words were, I'm not going to speak for this clubhouse. And I don't think it's appropriate for me to d- disclose that. And I, and I just don't think I'm going to comment on that. Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> what we actually think but you know he's like it, it it's along the lines of like early in the offseason everything you expect to hear from 
as it was put on the internet, a leader, right? Like, like Cal is a leader. He's the adult in the room. He's going to lead this clubhouse despite, you know, how old he is in, in third full season in the big leagues uh, upcoming here in 2024. So like, like that's what Cal sort of had to do, right? He had to give people like not another chance to get riled up and get pissed and to flood our comment section with thing like, Oh, Cal said the roof's burning down. <laughs> I can't take another week of this off season. Like Cal said, it's all over. If Cal Raleigh comes out on Seattle sports and, and just start saying like, I hate it here. I want to get traded. I can't stand this ownership group. Then, well, I don't want to be a baseball fan anymore. <laughs> I can't do it. And Cal's like, okay guys, you know, I think some of us can be calm and reserved. And perhaps not say everything that that might get that everyone wants to hear at this very moment because it's really just not gonna benefit anyone in this situation. It certainly won't benefit anyone on the roster. And like, think of it this way: Mariners are trying to attract free agents right now, somehow, not with the checkbook. So with not when they don't have the checkbook to to attract free agents, they want to attract. Hey, look at our clubhouse. Would you want to go to a clubhouse where the clubhouse leaders actively calling out ownership for not giving a shit? No, no, you wouldn't. Correct. And maybe then in that case, the tone would change once we get to spring training, if they've still done nothing by then, but maybe at the point where it's mid-December and you're still hoping to bring some good names in, then they're trying to be as kind of keep information as close to the vest as they possibly can about how they're feeling so far. And with the hope that maybe ownership will have a changing of the guard and the front office will be given the reins to go out and make some moves in the next few weeks, because you're right. Like it it certainly can't help if Cal Raleigh's going on the radio and saying this sucks, but I, how he's really feeling. I, I can't imagine he's all that inspired by what's gone down so far this winter. In the end, I think we have to remember that the roster is not in charge of roster changes, period. Like, go listen to that interview and listen to how Brock and Saul, who are two very veteran people on the radio in terms of interviewing and talking to athletes, of how they how they talk about the interview. And, ju- and think about how they would have a- talked to Jerry if they had Jerry on instead. You know, Jerry, it's going to be all about the personnel. It's going to be all about the moves. It's going to be all about... They would ask him about free agents. He probably won't comment on them, but they'll but they'll definitely ask. But Cal, you know, it's more about him than it is about the rest of the roster because the guys on the roster, they control themselves and they can kind of control the vibe in the clubhouse, but they can't add people into the clubhouse. So in the end, what Cal also said, we got to control what we can control right now. Kind of off of Scott's, these are the cards we've been dealt comments. But it's right for Cal. He's correct on that, and he did what was necessary to give us a not chaotic week before Christmas. (laughs) See, I think a lot of people figured when Cal was going on the radio this week, it was going to be because he had some more thoughts to get off his chest. But now hearing the way he talked during that interview, what are the chances somebody with the Mariners actually set him up to do that interview saying, hey, this offseason so far between the fan base, between the way the media is talking about us has been a nightmare. Can you go on the radio and try to diffuse any of it? What do you think the odds of that are? I think pretty low. You I think? Don't, I don't think this was a team ask. Like, how often do you? Th- how often does a team ask players to do media in the offseason? Like, not that often, unless it's like something really big. Usually, they're not like. Usually, they're not jumping head over heels to say, 
hey cal can you can you go appear on like king five tonight this team is also not deaf they may not they might not be making the moves people want to see them make right now but they're not deaf because all you have to do is open the newspaper or open twitter to see the discourse of what's going on right now and again like they, they might be getting dragged more than any team in baseball right now so i'm sure the team knows that and i'm sure they want to try to control the narrative of their own franchise so i don't know maybe maybe they didn't ask cal to do it i just wouldn't be shocked if they did if they ask Cal to do it, I don't know if that was the specific message. I I think if there's anything people want to hear is they want to be reassured of the guys they have on the roster, which if you're not going to add at very least, you want to be confident in the guys you have that they're, you know, working to be better and that they're good guys and that they're they're a team that you can root for, really. And, and, and in the end, Cal still wants that. He doesn't want no one showing up at the ballpark. That makes it no fun for him at all. He wants fans to still feel confident that they're going to go out and watch a good product in 2024. And again, as part of a team leader, that's his responsibility. He mentioned in that interview, I mean, how much he appreciates the fans and how much he appreciates the city of Seattle and supporting this team. Well, it's his part as well in the offseason throughout all these turbulent times to show his support to the fans as well, whether it be through a radio interview in the offseason from wherever he's spending his offseason, I think Florida, I'm not totally sure, but like you get that like it's sort of a like a give and go here in the offseason where Cal is now doing his responsibility as a, a member of this team to to help out the fans a little bit yeah he did what he was asked to do that's for sure now on another note when on earth is this team going to start making some moves it's mid-December here well um <laughs> when the budget when the the suggested when the AAVs of the free agents drop below 20, <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, if Jung Hu Lee is getting, who we'll talk about in our MLB wraparound, he's getting an AAV of a little bit under $20 million for a KBO bat, a, a KBO hitter. The KBO, as we've highlighted, you can go back and do our episode of that. When we talked about Jung Hu Lee and like you and I very easily articulated the, the, the um the success of KBO athletes in Major League Baseball and to see that number is as you said floor it was flooring to see the the number there for Jung Hooli so if that's the bidding number that bats are starting at and that's what the Mariners need at this moment might be waiting a little bit if they're trying to sign somebody well I will say the trade market did get kicked off today another topic we'll talk about in a wraparound that might that will help that will help you know who I'd like to see the Mariners sign. JD Martinez. Well, I I kind of like I kind of like what you're thinking at Lau. Lau, do you have a, a bigger pitch on on uh, on JD Martinez? What what's your pitch on JD Martinez? I do. And if we're going to get into our first topic here of JD Martinez and the fit with the Mariners, here it is. He's not going back to the Dodgers. The Dodgers kind of have a DH now. And if you want to listen to us talk about the Dodgers new DH, we did a reactionary show on Saturday that's about 20 minutes. You can go back and listen to that. So JD's probably going somewhere else. Why can't it be Seattle? This guy hits the ball extremely hard. He has a 10-year track record of success. He just came off a great 2023, and the Mariners need bats. I, I, I oh, oh, and by the way, I don't think he's going to cost that much. Sign me up for this guy. What do you qualify not costing that much? Okay, he would cost a lot in the Mariners' budget. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like, I don't know, two-year deal somewhere between. I- 20 to 24 million. I said three for 45. 
Oh, so you're going higher, but okay. So like thinking about thinking about the the inflation on bats this off season. Yeah, fair. But would you pay JD that money? Yeah, dude, this guy has the best looking baseball savant page I think I've ever seen. I sent you the screenshot yesterday of his year by year expected stats. Well, it is a wall of red, a wall. Yeah, the only thing that was kind of missing from that page is if you look at his 2023 profile, he struck out a little bit more than he usually does, and he wasn't walking quite as much, but it's not Teoscar Hernandez levels of strikeouts and walks, and in fact, his track record says he is not that guy, and when you look at everything else he does, oh my god, he just he just crushes baseballs left and right, like nothing phases that guy. He's 30, he just finished his age 35 season, he's still hitting the ball as hard as ever. Here's what I'm going to say on J.D. Martinez. Looking at his batted ball profile, if he were to sign in Seattle and fail, I give up. <laughs> I would officially turn in my fandom card and say, I'm retiring. Obviously, the players cannot hit in this ballpark. I don't know what needs to change, but something needs to. <laughs> because J.D. Martinez, if you just take a look, there's nothing. There's no weakness really in his profile. Before this season, there really was no no weakness in in his hitting profile. This dude hits the ball hard. He hits the barrel consistency. He hits the sweet spot consistency. His expected batting is high. His quality of contact is high. His expected slugging is high as well. And you know he just DHs. We finally have heard the Mariners say we will put a DH squarely in the dh spot we're not going to platoon guys we're not going to rotate guys in. we're going to put a just a dh there if we can and jd martinez would have been a fantastic person in the dh spot last year and even though he has some strikeout problems this year he would be a good fit in that dh spot here's the drawback and here's the reason why they wouldn't sign him lyle after watching what the Mariners did at the plate last season and they struck out way too much, staring at a uh, soon-to-be 36-year-old J.D. Martinez in the box in 2023, striking out 31% of the time, that's going to make, even with this batted ball profile, that's going to make Jerry DePoto wince and make Jerry DePoto a little more hesitant as to adding J.D. Martinez given the moves they've made this offseason. Probably a little bit, but again, it's not like Teoscar Hernandez because while Teo always hit the ball hard, he had a history of striking out and he never walked. J.D. Martinez isn't like that. Now, I understand that he his walk rate was down and his K rate was up this past year, but who's to say he can't turn that around next year? Because usually, for the most part of J.D.'s career, especially about this 10-year stretch when he's been really good, he strikes out in the low to mid-20s range, which is certainly manageable. And he walks more at about 8 or 9% of the time, which is around league average, maybe slightly above league average. Honestly, there's been some years where he walked 10% of the time or more, but those, are, those days are probably behind him. I don't see why he can't get back to that. Like, this is only one year he had, kinda, he had some issues with strikeouts and walks, and it wasn't even the level that Teo had it with. So who's to say he can't rebound? But here, here's the optics I want you to think about. First of all, think of when the, the timing of the year. The timing of the year is his age 35 season, his oldest season. Bat speed slows down. Eye at the plate isn't quite as good, isn't as sharp. Again, when you lose bat speed, you're going to have to cheat a little bit more, and you might chase a little bit more often. I don't think I'm as optimistic as you is that his swing and miss will go away. I mean, I looked at some of his swing rates, uh, his swing rates on fan graphs, 
And there wasn't really that much change. His chase rate stayed almost the exact same. Uh, His swinging inside and outside the zone pretty much stayed the exact same as they were in the past in his past season where he struck out 24% of the time in 2022. The only thing that changed is he just stopped hitting pitches out of the zone. And what that tells me is that his bat speed was not good enough to catch to, to, to hit pitches that were not in the strike zone, which for someone who doesn't chase is not an issue. But J.D. Martinez chases. He has chased in his career. He's sometimes been a decent walk guy, but that hasn't stopped him from swinging at pitches out of the strike zone. But now that he can't catch up to some of these pitches out of the strike zone, that is an issue. He might not strike out 31% of the time. He might strike out a little bit less, 28 27%. But I think Jerry would think that is a little bit high as well. And it's hard. I will say it is very hard to have as productive a season that J.D. Martinez had in 2023 while striking out that much. A 135 WRC plus made an all-star game as a hitter despite striking out that much. That's pretty difficult to do and pretty difficult to repeat. I was just about to throw the WRC plus numbers out there. What about the fact he just had that good of an offensive season? What about the fact that outside of a 2020 that you can just throw out the window? Cause I don't really count 2020 for anybody. It was such a weird year. His lowest WRC plus over the last decade or so was 119, which was in 2022. You know what I would say if JD Martinez was going to put up a 120 WRC plus with the Mariners, sign me right up. Teoscar Hernandez did not do that. His WRC plus was not 120. If it had been, I think people would have been pretty happy with the guy. Uh, Okay, so if you're asking me if I would sign J.D. Martinez, uh, yes, I would still sign J.D. Martinez. So, like, let's just get that out of the way. Would Jerry sign J.D. Martinez, given the moves and the philosophical change they have done this offseason, Lyle? Like, I think you and I know the answer to this. But if you're going to strike out 27% of the time and pair that with a 125 to 130 WRC plus, is that not worth it? They need offense. Yeah, it is. I think it's worth it. But do they think it's worth it? I'm asking Jerry. Sorry, I'm not trying to send this back at you. I'm trying to speak this into into the podcast verse and hope somehow Jerry hears it one day. That if even if he's going to strike out 27-ish percent of the time, which again is a little high, but it's not what Gino and Teo and Kelnick and Ford were doing last year. If you're going to strike out 27% of the time and put up a WRC plus of 130, how do you not sign up for that? It's a good question. That's a good question. I would sign up for it. I'd give him a three-year deal if he wanted to, because as I've said, and I think I've stayed consistent on this podcast, I really don't care about the money down the road because, (laughs) because as these years have gone on and the Mariners have continued to underwhelm, it really two years down the road does not matter. Next year matters. And next year, they could really, really use J.D. Martinez. Heck, when we talked about J.D. Martinez last offseason on this podcast, I think we both agreed they should give him a shot. And they did not. And he signed a one-year, $10 million deal, ultra affordable with the Dodgers. And he did this. And to be honest, he would have fit right in with the Mariners last season. He would have fit right in. You're you're telling me that... Instead of having AJ Pollock on a one-year seven million dollar deal, deal they could have had JD on a one-year ten million dollar deal. Mm, I'm not even what, talking I'm, about AJ Pollock, dog. I'm talking I'm, about the goat. I'm I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Would I? I wrote. I would have rather had had AJ Pollock. What am I saying? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I would not have. Tommy Lastella? You wouldn't have rather had Tommy? Yeah. I, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
if AJ was the biggest free agent contract the Mariners had ever, or Jerry had ever given to a Mariners position player at 7 million bucks, why couldn't they have just given it to JD Martinez at 10 or 12? Because then he could yeah, they would have made the playoffs with JD. He would have DH'd all the time. They wouldn't have had this platoon of DHs who are just supposed to be utility guys. Uh, well, listen, they've got a chance for redemption here because while JD's now going to be more expensive, they can still sign him. He's still out there. He needs a new team and a team that needs some bats. Yeah, they have a chance at redemption. Uh, they're going to pay. They're going to overpay because of it. Like they, they probably will. As we've said, the market is a little inflated on hitters this offseason. If they wanted him at a market rate, probably should have paid him last offseason, like we said. But instead, they're going to have to pay the tax of waiting an offseason too long. It's like they did with Nelson Cruz all the way back 10 years ago. Don't forget the Seattle tax, too. Uh, yep. It's hard to attract free agents and playing in this ballpark. So they're going to have to overpay other teams that bid for him, too. Yep. Yeah, well, Mr. Stanton, the ball's in your court. Jerry, we've made our case. But yeah, uh, J.D. Martinez, we would we would sign on. And here here's the endorsement you, you need, Lyle, for all of our listeners and for you, my co-host, to feel confident that the Mariners should get J.D. Martinez. John Heyman said that the Mariners should be interested in, in J.D. Martinez. Oh, our favorite, our absolute favorite. Hey, he, knows- he came out. He came out in support of the fans this week, and he was like, "Yeah, they should probably spend more money." Wow, Heyman, Heyman, trying to right his wrongs with the Pacific Northwest natives, with the Mariner faithful. He's trying to turn the page. Who thought we'd ever see the day? Not me, not me. But you know what? If that's the stance John Heyman's going to take for once in my life, I will say, John Heyman, I agree with you. And even as we wrap this up, if you want to just throw a couple more stats that are a little more basic out there, J.D. Martinez hit 33 bombs last year. He's hit 30-plus doubles in four of his last five full seasons. This guy's career OPS is 874, and his last decade of ball has been pretty unreal. So, sure, he's getting old. Strikeouts are growing up. I don't care. And And I'm also kind of done. Outside of the fact that they have this stupid payroll limitation, which should not be a thing, I'm kind of done caring about or worrying about John Stanton's money or the Mariners ownership group's money, Chris Larson, everybody else, they should just go pay good players, period. The, yeah, they should. And even if J.D. Martinez sits a career-low WRC plus next season, let's say he goes below his career-low 119, or in the last decade, sorry, his low is 119. Even if he goes 115, do you think of how monumental of an upgrade that is? Like, that is staggering. Great. That's about a 10 to 12% upgrade over Teo, which is, yes, an upgrade. It's I'm not even much- talking Teo. I'm talking the DH spot. Oh, well, then you're That's talking like, like 30, six, yeah, 30 it, to 40, <laughs> if, if not more. And again, when I say the last decade, when we, when, we, when we give you these numbers over the last decade, we're throwing out 2020 because he had a really bad 2020, but I'm not, we're not counting that because, again, it was such a weird year. And we're, kind, we're throwing out his Astros years, too, where, by the way, he... If you don't know J.D. Martinez's story, he got cut by the Astros. They, like, let him go as a free agent, and the Tigers signed him as— they signed him as a minor league free agent, I think. I have to look it up. Yeah. and Some, It was either that or he got a very small big league contract, and then he turned into a star. Yeah, and he did, and he—man, he, he, uh, he turned into a absolute star, and he has been— 
one of the best players in baseball since he debuted. One of the best hitters in baseball, I'll say. He's a DH, so I don't know if you can say player, but hitters, absolutely. And we have our full endorsement for J.D. Martinez. Before we get to our MLB wraparound, a word from Simply Seattle. I'd like to remind you, you guys have 10 days as of recording. Ten, oh, Actually, as of release, you will have 10 days. No, it'll be 11 days. 11 days until Christmas. 11 days to make sure all of your family members are happy. Now, my recommendation to make your family members happy is to go to Simply Seattle. We've shopped at Simply Seattle. We've gotten our gear from Simply Seattle. I got a great Sonics crew neck that I love. Lau has his Julio Rodriguez hoodie from Simply Seattle. They make awesome gear. So if you have sports fans in your life, if you have Seattle sports fans in your life, go to Simply Seattle. Give their give their selection a look. Huskies, Kraken, Mariners, Seahawks, Sonics, all the best gear in the Pacific Northwest. Go check them out at simplyseattle.com. You can use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order. Again, go to simplyseattle.com. Use our code MARINE15 for 15% off your order and make sure to do all your holiday shopping at Simply Seattle. Let's get to our MLB wraparound. Up first on the wraparound... We talked about the signing itself on Saturday's episode. And now here today, Lyle, we're going to dive into Shohei Otani's contract and what is by far the most unique contract ever signed in Major League Baseball. Let's just kick it off with this. He signed a 10-year, $700 million deal on Saturday. $680 million of it is deferred until the contract is up in 2034. Unreal. He is making $2 million a year off that contract for the next 10 seasons. Does it matter to Shohei? Probably not, because the guy makes 40 to $50 million a year in endorsements. So if you want to factor in the contract from the Dodgers and the $2 million a year he'll get, and then all his endorsement money, he's still the highest paid player in baseball. So he probably doesn't care that the fact that it's going to be 10 years from now when he starts getting the real lump sum of that contract and the bulk of it basically after he's done playing and after his time with the Dodgers has ended. But yeah, he's still going to be making a ton of money. And the fact the Dodgers set this contract up like this, it's pretty wild. There are there are some unique specifications that we're going to get into here about it, but very, very wisely set up by the Dodgers. So if you're not aware of how this, I would say, it's essentially a tax evasion. The Dodgers are doing legal tax evasion on the salary cap, on the on the luxury tax thresholds. That's essentially what this contract is doing. Shohei is doing this so the Dodgers can sign as many players as possible. And you might think, if you haven't read or seen it, how did they get away with only paying Shohei Otani $2 million a year, unless that's what he specifically agreed to? Well, the Dodgers have to pay they have to pay the tax amount on what the value of that money is currently worth year by year of that contract. So the current value of his deferred money, which is 10 for $680 million is $46 million a year in current day money. So that's the number. That's the tax number that the Dodgers still have to pay. They still have to take $44 million and they have to put it in like an escrow account. So it grows to $68 million. So when they have to pay Shohei in 10 years, that money is there and waiting for him. So they can't just 
get around the salary cap by paying him $2 million a year after agreeing to a $70 million a year contract. But the craziest thing about this is that even when you take the escrow numbers and the current day value of that contract, Lyle, it is still the biggest contract in baseball history. It is still, it still beats Mike Trout's contract by $34 million, even the fact that it's deferred for 10 seasons. Takes quite a player to get a deal like that. Now, in case anybody's still a little confused on how this contract's going to work for Shohei, the guys, the guys at the Just Baseball show, Peter Apple, Arm Layton, obviously friends of the pod, they've been on with us. They did a really good breakdown of this contract in a little bit of a longer form than TJ and I are going to do. So if you want more details on this, we certainly recommend you go listen to them. But here's basically the easiest way we can dumb the contract, the contract down for anybody who's still a little bit confused. Shohei himself is going to make $2 million a year. That part's true. The Dodgers still have to fork up $46 million a year to the tax. So the Dodgers are not getting away with only giving up $2 million a year for the next 10 years. They still have to give up $46 million per season. Now, that's less than paying seventy per year, and paying the forty-six still frees them up a little bit to go sign some other guys, but it's not quite the seventy. And they're also not getting away with literally only paying him $2 million a year. Because the narrative right now on social media and on TV and whatever else is, oh, Shohei's only, the Dodgers only have to pay Shohei $2 million a year for the next 10 years. Look at all these fringe big leaguers making more next year than Shohei. Well, it's not quite like that. The Dodgers still have to pay $46 million a year due to Shohei to the tax. So less than 70, but it's still a decent amount. It's still bizarre to look that in terms of cash value, though, Shohei's the 17th highest paid player on the Dodgers. 17th. 17th highest paid player. Think about it like this. They say, I mean, if you want to go down this road, they say one war is worth 8 million bucks. So in that regard, Shohei has to put up like what a 0.2 war to live up to his contract this next year in the next 10 years and make 2 million bucks. He needs to play the first series of the season and that's it. Yeah. (laughs) And then he can just sit out. But yeah, it is. It is wild. I will say, I think my favorite thing that I've seen over the last few days regarding all the Shohei contract stuff was the guy who put together that Wolf of Wall Street clip that used Leo DiCaprio's voice to totally AI his voice, but talking about Shohei's contract. And it's the scene where they're all on the golf course and then they get back to the office. And it's like some lawyers from Major League Baseball came down to the office and and tried to check this all out, but we turned the air conditioning up. And then it cuts back to actual Leonardo DiCaprio playing Jordan Belfort for like five seconds where he says, you're probably asking yourself, was all of this legal? Absolutely fucking not. (laughs) (laughs) So if if you want to go look up that clip, it's not very hard to find on Twitter because it has surfaced beyond belief over the last few days. It's it's very well put together, I will say, to the guy who made it. So I've gotten a laugh out of that. What's also pretty bizarre about this contract? Do you remember Ronaldo's contract he signed with the the Saudi team? Do you remember that three for six seventy four? Yeah, like this contract's bigger than that. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's the biggest contract a pro athlete of a team sport has ever signed, which is. It's insane. Like they they did line up like Ronaldo's contract next to it. Now again, if Ronaldo signed a ten year deal with the Saudi League, he easily would have would have broken that. But he only signed a three year deal, so Shohei still does have the upper hand. It's just bizarre that Major League Baseball, which has thrown around some pretty ridiculous numbers in these long term extensions, is the league on top. 
Like not the highest revenue league, not the most watched league in the world, not the most global sport in the world, but still they have one of the most notable global athletes playing their game and he is now being compensated accordingly. I wonder how much money the Dodgers made as soon as he inked the inked the contract on Saturday. Like how much money of that contract came back to them in endorsements and in advertisements and inquiries and all this stuff. How, how, like, how much do you think they made back in the first, let's say, week since now? Well, you saw the the note about the jersey sales. The dude set a record by Fanatics in the first 48 hours that his jersey went on sale. So that alone is already making the Dodgers back a ton of money. Did you see the price of opening day? <laughs> what is it, 800 bucks? I saw? Uh, double. Oh, it's sixteen hundred bucks. Yeah, <laughs> for like a yeah for like a standing room only seat. See, this is what I mean. While I'm still sad, he's not going to be a Mariner. And if, if you want my reactionary video to that, that is on our social media pages. But if you're just talking about the two of us being baseball fans, this is fantastic for the sport. I know a lot of people are not happy. Went to the Dodgers. They're forming a super team, quote unquote. But you know what? This is very, very good for baseball. Not only is he going to be in the playoffs every year. But have you seen how much baseball and Shohei have been talked about over the last week? And especially like since the day the crazy flight tracking stuff happened, baseball's on people's radars now. Like people that don't follow baseball are now following baseball and they're following Shohei, which is a very, very good thing. Speaking of that Friday, can, can we just take a moment the fact that Shohei mentioned that he was sitting on the couch with his dog Decoy, by the way, in case people were wondering, Decoy, ironically named for the fact that there was a decoy flight that flight on Friday to Toronto that he was sitting on his couch laughing at as well, he's seeing the world meltdown. Okay. I don't know if that's actually why he named the dog decoy. I know it's Jason, not, but it's a very funny coincidence. It is a funny coincidence. Friend of the pod, Jason Stark put that out there saying, Oh, so he named his dog after the flight to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, so I guess that the truth comes out about his dog's name and all that. But yeah, that that was hilarious to hear that Shohei <laughs> saw all this stuff happening. And he's just sitting on his couch. He's like, oh, they think I'm on a flight to Toronto, those morons or whatever. Yeah. Now, he didn't it's actually like, say like, that. It's like, should we can... tell him? It's like, no, like, let them have a little bit more fun. <laughs> I, again, Shohei's too nice to actually say that out loud. But again, like the fact he did admit he was kind of sitting there to himself laughing, hearing all these rumors. Was pretty funny to hear. Do you think he called Yusei about the the sushi restaurant? He's like, dude, do you know what they're t- saying about your sushi reservation? <laughs> oh man, yeah. I again, th- this is this is good for baseball. Like like the fact he's going to be in a big market, he's going to be in the postseason. Like this is what the sport needs. And if you're just talking about growing the game, while we're sad he's not going to be a Mariner, this is this is a good thing. There's a couple of other other. Interesting stipulations on his contract. First of all, he's guaranteed to have his interpreter, which is great. Great for his interpreter. He gets uh, his interpreter is guaranteed guaranteed his whole contract. Second, he gets a suite. Not shocking. All regular season and postseason games. That's fantastic for all of his family and probably his interpreter. <laughs> if he's not in the dugout, well, actually, no, his interpreter would be in the dugout. You're right. I was going to say, Ipe sits in the dugout. Ipe, dugout. who's his interpreter, sits in right. the dugout. Okay, well, Ipe's family and and Shohei's family gets a suite mm-hmm. every single game. The third one, which was by far the most interesting, and I really don't think we've ever seen this, there's a clause in the contract that if Andrew Friedman or owner, who's the president of baseball operations, or Mark Walter, who's the principal owner of the Dodgers, 
they get fired or change roles, Shohei can opt out of his contract. I've never seen that. It's crazy. That is, that is, Mark, Mark Walter and Andrew Friedman, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter to Mark Walter, he's the owner, but Andrew Friedman has to be hyped. He's like, I just secured my own job security for the next 10 years. Yeah. Not, no one's ever going to fire me. <laughs> no, and, and not that Andrew Friedman was ever getting fired anyway. He might be the best GM slash president of baseball ops in the whole sport at this point, but it's still nice to have the security. It's like, well, we have the best player on the planet. So I'm not going anywhere. And now there's a clause in the contract saying I'm not going anywhere. So do you think Andrew Friedman was sitting down at the table and, and Shohei and his agent are going over things he would like? And I, I'm just imagining the, the, the Drewski meme where he's like, where he's sitting at the table and Shohei's like, oh, yeah, we want uh, we want guaranteed you guys guaranteed uh, employment here. And, and Friedman's like, me? Yeah. <laughs> me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Here, okay, I've got two more quick things on Shohei before we move to the next topic. Okay. Number one, could the Mariners have done this deal? Could they have done the deferred money type of deal where they pay Shohei the $2 million a year, the $46 million to the tax, and then in 10 years, you know what? This ownership can sell the team. Maybe they'll sell it sooner than that. Could they have done it? I'm going to say no. Let me tell you why I'm going to say no. The Dodgers, in their pitch to Shohei Otani, outlined to him, we have made the playoffs 10 times in the last decade. And we have one ring. After all of that, we have one ring. And we qualify that as a disappointment. And Shohei said he was so glad to hear how committed to winning they were. Now, Lyle, I'm not a hot take artist. But I'm not sure that line of talking would have come out of the same meeting with the Mariners. Well, considering they missed the playoffs this year and said the season was a success, probably not. <laughs> that like that ends the conversation right there. Uh, in theory, could, do you think they could have put up enough equity to defer six hundred and eighty million dollars of current day money? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how I mean, much is Root Sports worth? I don't know. It seems to be just decreasing by the day. Okay. Well, if Root Sports was worth five hundred million dollars and they found a way. Uh, if anyone is actually a, a, a loan expert that listens to this, please comment on this video and tell me if I'm wrong. Or if you're listening on podcast, go to YouTube and comment and tell me if I'm an idiot. Like you could, t you can take out a loan and then put up the equity of your business against the loan. So the bank obviously has something to hold on to while you pay back that loan. I think they can, uh, you know, taking out, taking out a little bit. It's like a home equity loan, except it's, for Root Sports Northwest. Well, that, and like we talked about with Shohei, this contract's going to pay for itself. So him just being here would have made the Mar Mariners a ton of money. So yes, they would have had the funds to pay him if they'd actually signed him. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, do I think they could have paid him? Yes. Do I think the conversation would have ended as we missed the playoffs? It's a success. Yes. That it would have ended right there. He would have walked right out of the room, gotten back on his private jet and flew back down to LA. Here's the last thing I want to wrap up with with Shohei before we move on. I'm sure most baseball fans agree with us on this, but I just want to continue to push this narrative as much as possible. He is the best athlete on planet Earth. He's not just the best baseball player on planet Earth. He's the best athlete on the planet. And if you're out there and you're going to say Patrick Mahomes, my response to that is, if Patrick Mahomes decides one day he wants to become a defensive end and starts playing Micah Parsons-level defense on the defensive side of the ball, then we will begin 
the conversation of Shohei versus Patrick Mahomes. Like, we're not even having it right now. We'll begin it if that happens. Or if Kylian Mbappe, big soccer star for anybody who doesn't know the name, uh, also decides one day, you know what? I want to start being a goalie. And then he also becomes a top five goalie in the world. We will begin the conversation. But until then, it's not even close. It's Shohei. I agree. Yeah. So. Congrats to you, Shohei. It is quite a contract. And as everybody would agree with, you're, you're more than worth it. All right. Second storyline. A little bit less money to this next player, but still gets a sizable contract. Jung-Hoo Lee, Korean superstar, signs a six-year, $113 million deal with the, with the San Francisco Giants, a team that has been begging for somebody to take their money. They said, Aaron Judge, take our money. He declined. They said, Carlos Correa, take our money. He accepted, then had bad medicals, and it fell through. They said, they said, Shohei, please take our money. He said no. Finally, they get somebody to say yes, and it is Jung-Hoo Lee. Yeah, apparently they offered everything the Dodgers did, the exact monetary amount. So uh, interesting note there, and it's not like the Giants are lacking in cash. They have they have plenty, uh, and they were able to give, give some to Jung-Hoo Lee. And like, let's put this into some perspective as he signs a six-year $113 million deal. MLB trade rumors projected five years, $50 million for Jung-Hoo Lee, and he doubled it. That's a lot. That's a lot for a guy who, if you go back to the show, we profiled him for the Mariners' sake. We said, yeah, I'm not sold on that guy. The Giants apparently feel differently. That would be a lot for an MPB guy. Yeah. Like, is it weird at all that Jung-Hoo Lee never decided he wanted to play a year or two? in Japan rather than Korea, because it is a step up. And I feel like if he had posted these type of numbers in Japan, maybe then more people would be like, all right, let's take this guy a little more seriously. There might be some rules around that, especially oh. like pre pre age 25. Okay. Like and the, then that would make sense. Yeah. Like that, that would make sense. And again, if you want to hear a full breakdown of Jung Hoo Lee, we did highlight him back in episode 67. We did our full profile of him, which we're not going to do right here, but again, high contact, decent power kbo again is a little bit above double a in terms of competition there at the kbo which is why this is kind of staggering of giving a guy 113 million dollars guaranteed there is an opt-out after four years for lee by the way but it the the competition in the kbo is is significantly lower than major league baseball and he crushed kbo competition don't get us wrong but it's like giving a very, 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 very good double-A player $113 million guaranteed, and some people might shy away from this. The Mariners would have never done this contract. They they would have never shelled out this kind of money for a KBO guy. This is not a perfect example, right? Because Lee plays a much more valuable position than the guy I'm about to name, and he's sustained success in his own league more than the guy I'm about to name, but just for the sake of talking about somewhat of a comparison. Could you imagine the Mariners coming out tomorrow and saying, we're giving Tyler Locklear a six-year, $113 million contract, like pre-arb extension? I would ask them, like, you guys have claimed to have no money, and then you just lit $113 million on fire. I don't know if I quite say on fire. Like, maybe Locklear ends up being good, but that is that would be a ridiculous contract to pay a guy I that's never... Little bit of PTSD from signing Arkansas first baseman to six year contracts. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> who could you ever be talking about? Hmm. Yeah, hmm. who knows? Yeah. Well, Somebody... Apparently that contract didn't really mean that much, Lyle. 
according to no, no, according to everybody that 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 told us other yeah that told us no like you guys don't know what you're talking about you don't know ball anyway Jung Hu Lee at the very least he's probably not going to strike out a lot his strikeout rate may go up a little because he's going to go from the KBO to the big leagues where the pitching's better he should be a high contact guy like like he makes a ton of contact like we've talked about but. The other thing here is how long is it going to take him to get acclimated? Is it going to take him a year, two years to really get his feet under him in the big leagues? Because if that's the case, you're paying that guy a lot of money to essentially learn on the fly. Like I, I am not confident personally that he is just going to snap his fingers and figure it out right away. I think it may, I think he may have some growing pains. Took Hassan Kim, Hassan Kim a year. Yeah. Plus. I mean, he's pretty good now, but he's not really Hassan Kim. I mean, still is not an elite offensive player. He's a good all around player, which I think is what the Giants hope that Jung Huli will be because he's a center fielder and he plays a position of immense value. And, you know, they don't have a center fielder. So, like, at some point, you kind of got to overpay and hope the best comes out of him that he can hit on top of playing good center field defense because the Giants had 11 different center fielders last year and they're like you know what maybe it's worth taking a risk to overpay a guy and hope he works out as the guy i will remind people jung huli fractured his ankle back in july which is not the easiest injury in the world to come back from so we'll see what his center field defense looks like once he hits the majors he should be okay i'm guessing the giants felt more than comfortable about his medicals if they gave him the money that they did but even still it's just something to keep note of it is a serious injury, and, and we'll see how he bounces back to it. And the Giants do have, again, the cash reserves to take a hit if things don't work out, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, they have quite a bit of money they could spend. I think they're still $45 million away from the bottom tier of, of tax cap. Like, A, they could add on top of them, but B, they're, you know, they just don't struggle with cash and and having dead money like that so again it wouldn't really be the end of the world and overall aav it's under 20 million a year that's not the end of the world so they feel like jung huli is worth the risk i'm fascinated to see if he'll work out i think at the very least he'll be a, a league average hitter and play some solid defense in center field which you know depending on the defense could be worth 18 million dollars a year which is totally fine for them yeah, for sure. Okay, let's go to our final subject on the MLB wraparound. This one coming in at the buzzer this evening. The Los Angeles Dodgers and Tampa Bay Rays are in agreement on a trade to send right-handed pitcher Tyler Glasnow and outfielder Manuel uh, Manuel Margot to the Dodgers for right-hander Ryan Pepio and outfielder Johnny DeLuca. Uh, before we actually dive into the meat of this trade, I just like to acknowledge that there are a, there is one player from each of our two summer league teams when we were calling games in the Cape League involved in this trade. Uh, very very interesting and very very small world of this trade to be, but I thought that was uh, that was pretty cool. Johnny DeLuca played on the team I called games for, and Ryan Pepio, who I mean you you've talked to quite a few times, um, was on the team that that you called games for. So that that's kind of funny. Yeah, and it's both the guys going back to the Rays that relate to us, which, yeah, I mean, Pepe and I still keep in touch to some extent. Again, I saw him when he was here in September with the Dodgers and caught up with him a little bit, which was cool. And now hopefully he gets his chance with the Rays, too, because the problem there with the Dodgers was even though Ryan was throwing really well, 
the Dodgers just have so many arms that it, it's hard to crack that rotation. Now with the Rays, you would think he's going to slot into the rotation and get a real chance to actually throw a real workload of innings, which which good for him. But on the Dodgers side, they get a very, very good arm who they think they're going to extend in Tyler Glass now. I'm going to give a shout out to Johnny DeLuca too. Yeah. I, I remember when I watched him and, and, and Summer Ball, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't a believer. And man, he's, he's turned out to be like a stat cast darling oh. up here at the big league level. Oh, and he's crushed every level of the minor leagues. Like, like look at what DeLuca's done every year in the minors over the last three seasons. 2021, 867 OPS. 2022, 888 OPS. 2023, 956 OPS. Some dude out of Oregon who was sharing some time out in the Whitey Red Sox outfield. Yeah, he that that was the team you called games for, I should say. Yeah, he's he's crushed it through the minors. Yeah, and shout out to him. And now again, he's going to get an opportunity with some outfield time being freed up in in Tampa. He's going to go there, and I feel like he'll succeed. And I feel like Ryan Pepio will succeed. So let's talk about the Dodgers side of this trade because I think that's where everyone's circling to. The rumors earlier this week is that it was going to be Glass now and Randy Rosarena headed to L.A., but it's not going to be the case. It's going to be Margot. And Tyler Glass now. The meat of this is Tyler Glass now, and if he can stay healthy, which has been a problem in his career. I mean, Tyler Glass now cannot stay on the mound. He has a lot of trouble staying on the mound. The good thing is, if the Dodgers can keep him on the mound, he is one of the better pitchers in baseball when he can. I mean, he's only throws two pitches, but when he is on with his fastball, which goes up to 98, 99, 100 miles an hour, and his curveball, which is an ultimate hammer, he's a Dot. And the Dodgers develop pitching almost as good as the Rays do. And they could tweak something here, tweak something there, perhaps keep him healthy. And potentially, if they can get him up to like 180 innings, have a true all-star caliber stud that they traded for. His curveball was as good in 2023 as it's ever been. He threw it more than ever in 23, and guys started hitting 095 against it. I mean, his curveball's been good in the past, but 23, something clicked even a step further than it was already going. So Tyler Glassnow going to the Dodgers feels like a recipe for success. I feel like he's going to be really good when he's there. And that Dodgers rotation now, it is Walker Bueller, Tyler Glassnow, Bobby Miller, and there's still room for those guys to add. They'll probably get Clayton Kershaw back and sign him for when he returns midseason. I can't imagine he goes anywhere else. But there are still opportunities for that team to add one to two more arms, and we know they're in on Yamamoto. Yeah, and again, this is what people feared, as we mentioned in the Shohei thing, when they were when Shohei gave them this kind of flexibility that they were going to be able to go acquire these guys. And the fact that they had to give up Pepio and DeLuca, I mean, we pretty much think they're going to give Tyler Glass now an extension here. They're not going to give up those assets for only one year of Tyler Glass, who, by the way, is going to be a free agent after this 2024 season. So, And they're going to have to pay a steep price on him. I mean, he's, he's a starter who's going to cost up upwards of $25 million a year to keep in that rotation. And, uh, I mean, even healthy or not, that's what, that's what the bill is going to be for him. So they could afford it, um, but, you know, that's where the, the numbers for Shohei kind of works, works out. For sure. Will the Dodgers add more? It's certainly possible. Oh, Good. also, can can we clear something up? The reason Randy Rosarena was rumored to be in this trade <sighs> is because, like, I don't think there was ever actually that much of a connection to Randy in the trade. There might have been a report here and there saying, oh, like, the Dodgers are asking about him. 
But the reason that started to get rumored is because he posted a picture hours after Shohei signed of a picture of the two of them standing together at the World Baseball Classic, which maybe was just Randy's way of congratulating Shohei. But everybody started to think, oh, is Randy about to be a Dodger? Well, it appears that's not to be the case. And I'll tell you what, if Johnny DeLuca is going to start playing the outfield, he's going to have to take time from somebody. Maybe they just need to uh, Hmm. move on from Randy and send him to, I don't know, just off the top of my head, a city on the complete opposite side of the country from Tampa. (laughs) I think Randy was just trolling with that. I mean, he was having having some fun with that, I'll say. Here's my worry, though, now. So the Rays dump salary with Glass now, essentially. This is a salary dump for the Rays as well. They're moving off of, I don't know the exact number for Glass now, but it's a, it's a healthy amount because he's in his five year, final year of arbitration. And they get back to guys on rookie contracts. So how much more do they need to offload, would they feel like? Like, they wouldn't be trading Randy for a... They wouldn't trade Randy to dump salary now because they, they've dumped the most significant piece they've needed to. Okay, two things off that. One, Glasnow is expected to make about $25 million bucks this year because he signed that contract. It was a, it was a two-year, $30.5 million ARB extension, and most of that money is backloaded. So he's about to get like $25 million bucks this year. Number two, let me pull this up really fast because there's a tweet from Daniel Kramer today about what exactly you're referencing right now. He said, the belief has long been that before the Rays would make other trades this offseason, such as dealing some of their bats, many of which would be strong fits for the Mariners, sorting out Glasnow's situation must come first. They've hmm. done that. That makes it sound like, oh, they're open to other moves. But now that Tyler Glasnow settled, we can start talking to other teams. I don't know okay. if this totally cuts off the deal with them in it- terms of trading a Rosarena or Isak Paredes. In fact, now they need more pitching. So maybe. That sound that in fact encourages it. It sounds like, yeah, I I would agree. I 100 percent agree. I'm down. So I it's I time. think the Mariners. I think the Mariners still have a shot. Go get Randy. TJ's TJ's tapping the watch, doing the Randy Rosarena. Watch us time. on YouTube. You can see what I'm doing. Randy Rosarena is such a fun personality. Even we talked about this when we when we talked about him the other week. But even aside from how good he is on the baseball field, he'd be so fun to have on the team. I'm down. You don't yeah. have to tell me. Yeah, I'm, I am too. Okay, let's get to speak your mind here. Speak your mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. I think we've got a collaborated speak your mind this week. We talked about doing this a little bit because for those who don't know, if you're going to talk about if we're going to talk about TJ and I ourselves and not us doing this podcast, but us just trying to find our way in sports media, we're trying to navigate it just like a lot of people our age are. So we thought we'd spend a little bit of time here and, and talk about it and talk about what each of us are trying to accomplish moving forward, including continuing this podcast, of course. But like, where do you want to start with this? We could really start anywhere. Well, we could just give a little bit of background first. So you and I are... Man, it's already been almost over th- almost over three years now since we left college. So that three years since we've been at ASU, three so you spent one. Yeah. What's up? Three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Yep. Uh, out of school, you and I both thought minor league baseball was it. Pandemic changed that significantly. You still ended up going to minor league baseball for one year mm-hmm. in 2022. Uh, I have been here in Corvallis working in radio for 
uh, a little bit over two years now, two, two and like a third ish. So that's where we're at right now. And we are in a spot of sort of figure thing, figuring things out, like all transparency. Like I've been at my, this first job, which is, it is very much a first job. I've discussed with my boss about, you know, this, he knows how the business works and, and first jobs and all that. And understand after about, you know, two years, a lot of people who are looking to move up are all ears to other opportunities and, and seeing how they can grow themselves. And, you know, you're looking for your next opportunity as well, Lyle. So it's like we've been in sort of the same state at the same time for about the last year while we've been doing this podcast. We've been doing plenty of other things like working and networking, but more importantly, trying to find our next jobs like that. That's essentially where we have both been at for the last year. And I think you and I have learned a lot of valuable things. I mean, I think first off, you know, like talking, I've never realized the value of talking to people more than I have in the last year of people. I had no idea that were going to be a, a valuable voice in my life that I've met over the last year, just on the phone, DMing them on Twitter, LinkedIn, finding their email, et cetera, and just getting to talk to them over the phone and them giving me advice and, and helping me realize, you know, what's realistic and what's not over the course of this year has been extremely helpful as well. And uh, I, like, I guess that's that's where I'll start. I have so many things I can talk about with this, but I, I think I'll just start with that, that I really have picked up uh, some very valuable connections in this business and to a point where I feel like I have some very comfortable future landing options here down the road eventually um, at, at places that I, I would feel confident in because of the, the hiring people I've talked to and and the talent as well that 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 makes it feel that way. So we thought it would be a fun thing to do this. The two of us mm-hmm. just kind of dive into where us ourselves are trying to get, especially nowadays, where we're really trying to kind of kick the kick it into high gear with finding our next thing. In fact, the only thing I have written down in our notes for Speak Your Mind is job searching in sports media is ridiculously hard. That That is my one note because I knew we'd probably go a bunch of different directions with this. But yeah, like I think everything you said is is basically along the lines of what we've talked about over the last year. Then on my end, after getting back from minor league baseball, I realized, you know, between the day to day, the pay, the lifestyle, I was like, I don't think I can do this for 20 plus years. I just can't. Not for like the swing on a star wish to maybe get to the big leagues one day, even if you work as hard as you possibly can at it. Like you do need some luck along the way. And back to your point about the, the networking and the connections, the conversations, like I'll, I'll piggyback off that. And maybe we can start here is they always talk about in finding jobs in general. The who you know part of it means a lot and can help a lot. I don't know if I've ever seen a field where it means more than in sports media. Like like just from knowing other people that are in different fields, I've heard of plenty of people that are in business or accounting or marketing, whatever, where you can apply to jobs on LinkedIn, apply to jobs on Indeed. You'll hear back from people sometimes and you'll get interviews off that. If you're going to apply to a job on LinkedIn or Indeed or something like that, trying to get something in sports media. What I basically learned is you're almost wasting your time in a sense because there are so many people that apply to the jobs. Your resume is going to get buried. It's never going to, they're never going to see it. It's almost like they just put it up there because they have to put it up there. And rather than, rather than it's actually, oh, we're looking for applicants based off the people that apply. It's usually based off of having prior connections, which is what I've learned about sports media is like networking with people. It's about as important in, in this field as I've kind of seen it as I have seen it anywhere else 
Mm -hmm. And again, it's not, you shouldn't, the thing I've also learned is that when I, when I started, it's like, all right, I'm going to meet someone who's going to, who's going to hire me because that's how I got this job in the first place. Like I networked with my boss doing the exact same thing I'm, I'm doing now. I mean, we sat there and talked on the, on the phone for an hour. Right. When, when I first reached out to him and talked to him, like we had an hour long conversation. And it was like, oh, yeah. And then eventually I got hired a, a few months later after the position opened up. So it's like, oh, oh, great. Like, I'm going to do the same thing again. I'm going to meet my future boss uh, on the phone. Well, it's not quite that simple. And here I am a year into doing that and realizing that it is way, way, way more than just doing that. You also have to learn. And I think the most important thing you have to learn is like, what exactly you want to do? You don't have to like exactly do one thing. I don't. I, I think that's kind of, kind of an uh, an old way of of thinking about things to only do one thing. Because to be honest, like most of these companies nowadays are are really shrinking down. They're really skimming down their their companies into people who can do more than one thing because they realize paying a lot of people to do a lot of things is too expensive, and paying a few people to do a lot of things is more the way. It doesn't matter if you're in the podcasting business. It doesn't matter if you're in the sports media business. It doesn't matter if you're in radio. It doesn't matter if you're uh, at a major league baseball team. Like They all do it. All, all, all major businesses will do it that way. So it's like, okay, you got to like figure out exactly what you want to do. And I would say at least for you know how you and I are at right now, and like it's two different paths at this moment of what we feel like is our most realistic step next. You say you want to go work at uh, like a sports media company, uh, like list off like a John Boy Media, for example, or, or something smaller, something along those lines, something something that does something like that. Meanwhile, for me, I've been looking at radio jobs around the country and, and trying to find it because that's what's on my resume. And that's what would stick out the most to a hiring manager. Hey, I've already worked at a radio station for two and a half years. I know everything that I'm doing. And I think that's been very helpful in my search to have a better understanding. And more importantly, I don't know how it's been for you, but it's pretty up and down mentally for, for looking at this stuff. Like it sucks. It really does suck to, to think that you're uh, like uh, the amount of times I've sat here and thought I'm like, I'm 25. I'm living in Corvallis, Oregon. I'm looking at all my friends in bigger places doing something that looks way more fun than what I'm doing right now on a Friday night, sitting here, I don't know, recording the podcast, editing something, watching TV. It's like, man, that seems fun. It's like, and you get the question of like, why am I here? Like you do ask that question, why I'm here. But then when you have more conversations with people and you come to a better understanding of what you're doing and what you're actually passionate about, it definitely helps, I'll say. And, and again, it, it helps having a, a more clear picture of what you see your future looking like to to move forward and and go on out. I mean, I'm really all over the place with this, but um I would say yeah. <laughs> well, you were talking about like editing the podcast and doing social clips like like you don't like doing it. Like like I know that's not true. No, it's no, it's not. Uh, like but think of it like it, it's a Friday night. Oh, 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 you're talking about a Friday night specifically. Okay. Right, yes, I would say Friday and Saturday nights are the worst. They are. That's like it, maybe it's an adult thing. Some people don't do as much once they're older on a Friday and Saturday night. We're so used to in, our, in your 20s when you're in college. I mean, every Friday and Saturday night, I mean, college, it was more than that. But we'll simple it down to Friday and Saturday night. You're always going to do something. Always. No matter what. But then you grow up and you move to some small place to go chase a dream. And 
and and you're sitting here working your ass off and it all of a sudden you look up and you you stick your head above water everyone else is is doing exactly what you thought you'd be doing and you're sitting here working and it's sometimes it's a tough reality for some people well they do say sports media chews people up and spits people out like we have friends who got their sports media sports journalism degrees with us and either didn't even bother to get into the field or just stopped because it it was too much on them because the hours are crazy. Obviously, the pay on, in the early stages is is really bad, especially in minor league baseball, which is part of the reason I, I didn't end up doing it again. Not that I'm all about money or anything like that. I'm not. But like to be transparent, you make like 1500 bucks a month working 70-hour weeks in minor league baseball. And, and, and that's not sustainable for any person to live off of. So there's also no time to find another job on the side when you're doing that either. So yeah, it's it's... That's just not really sustainable. Now, when you move up in minor league baseball, sometimes you you can start to make a little bit more. You're not getting rich, but you make a little bit more. Get health but insurance. Even, what's that? <laughs> you get health insurance. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, it's. I think the thing for you about not having as much to do on the weekends is partly the fact you are in Corvallis, Oregon, in a college town where not a lot of people in their 20s after they graduate after they graduate are living there like you talk about how you're the youngest person at your station by 10 to 15 years so yeah i think that i think that's more about the town you're in like if you find your next job and it's in a bigger city i, I bet you you'd meet people your age where you're gonna find more stuff Correct. To do. and that's yeah. what and that's what i think and that helps the the motivation uh, i'll say the biggest thing i've 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 tried to hammer home and i think you've you've probably realized this too is not to rush. It, it, like it's hard to, not to though. Yeah, it is really hard not to because you see it is possible. Mm-hmm. Because that is the worst thing about that is the one of the worst things about social media. You can see some people who do get it at this age and they mm-hmm. do make lots of money and they are very successful in the field you want to be at this age. The problem is it's not that many people and it's really a tough reality to realize for a lot of us who aren't that lucky. It's the whole grass is greener philosophy. Like that, that is a very true thing, when, especially when you talk about like you see your friends in other places doing things that seem really fun. Like I'm sure not like there's things about their lives that are not perfect either. But again, it's, it's always the whole the grass is greener philosophy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right that like especially the two of us, but a ton of people out there who are in sports media, like feel like they can move up and feel like they, they are capable of moving up. But again, you along with being good at what you're doing you need some luck and you need some good timing so we're both like hoping that can swing our way here in the near future which is why we do all this networking and also like that's that's why we put in so much effort to doing you know doing everything we're doing not just with the podcast but in fact like here's an example you and i have both started to do our own personal content creation stuff like i guess this is a little shameless plug for the both of us but this is only a a couple weeks old for each of us but we've each started to do some not just day in the life stuff but just posting personal content on our own tiktok instagram pages to try to build some of a personal brand like i'll use me for example like in terms and this kind of ties into where i'm at because you're talking about being in corvallis like i'm still in seattle for at least the next few weeks what i've talked about on my social media pages and I've told some of our friends about and family about is that for the next two to three months, I'm going to spend some time in New York City. Now, I'm doing that because a lot of the places I'd love to work are out there. I've connected with a lot of people that are out there. I'm hoping the fact that getting in front of them and meeting them in person and spending some time in person might be able to help me 
it's no guarantee that it works. In fact, I'd say it's far from a guarantee that it works. And truthfully, it's a little bit nerve wracking to be kind of going out on a whim to to the other side of the country and, and give this a shot for a few months. But to the point of we're both trying to do everything that's necessary to find our next job, I started to feel like that might be the next step to find my next job. Because again, like, I just don't know how much sitting at home does. Now, let me let me say two things. One, it's not like we're going to stop the podcast. In fact, we've got some big plans for the second year of it. But I'd also like to find a full-time job too. And with that, I'm trying to document it all. I'm documenting that I'm getting ready to move. I'm going to document what I'm doing most of the days I'm in New York City, like documenting, you know, things I learned, thing and then I just talk some sports on there too. But yeah, I'm going a bunch of different ways with this too. But we have each started to do some content, personal content as another way of how can we put ourselves out there and show people that we have some other skills, you know? And like, what's the worst that happens? We don't get famous. Right. Like, that's it. And, and, and somebody might see it, even if you're only getting, you know, a few hundred, couple thousand views, let's say on those reels or TikToks, you just don't know who might see it and say, oh, well, I can relate to this person or maybe they're looking for somebody. You just don't know. There's some benefits to it. Like, let's, let's list off some things. First of all, like it, it keeps you consistent. We work on this podcast every single day. However, uh, and we are posting on this podcast every single day, but we've gotten in a pretty good routine of what we're doing. So it's not really as much of a cram or an like, tell me if I'm wrong, Lyle, like an over cre- overly creative thought process to put things together on a day to day basis. Yes. With the normal stuff, we usually post. No, I, I think we are creative with the stuff we put out there, yeah. not just with the show clips, but some of the social media ideas that we have. Like, I think we're creative, but you're right that we've done it for a little over a year now that we are used to it. So, so that part I agree with you on. We're used to it. And again, we also have two and a half, two hours and 45 minutes worth of podcast content that we post throughout the week, right? That mm-hmm. is already done and recorded. And I'll say that's for in, in terms of thinking creatively, like that's where most of it comes from. We've already talked about it. Like, yes. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of things you're doing, like it now takes, or sorry, that the both of us are doing, we now have to take some more time out of each of our day to be, find something interesting that makes us interesting, that makes us stand out, that makes us different. Like, the thing about the podcast, it's, which is done phenomenally, and we cannot thank you guys for listening enough. We really, we really cannot. I cannot tell you how appreciative we are of seeing our numbers here after a little over a year of doing this. But to 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 our own brands, like it forces us to now within each day find a new way to storytell, and I th- I cannot say how beneficial that is to to us doing this to find new ways to like storytell and be interesting because we want to be interesting here we want to keep your interest in this podcast so what's the best way to do that well we talk about baseball a lot but if we're talking about things that aren't baseball specifically baseball related we still want to be interesting well a great way to practice that is to do our own content like let me draw the line between our two things so you're still doing mostly sports stuff on on your channel what what you're talking about did a few day in the lives. You've talked about a few things here so far for what you've done. I've been doing like day in the lives of my life. And I want to, I want to bring this back to what I said about, you know, me struggling on like a Friday or a Saturday night, like worrying, like, Hey, is this worth it? Like, I'm, I don't know if I'm enjoying this yet. Like I'm seeing everyone else having so much more fun. This thing forces me to find fun things in my day every single day. And at the end of every single day, I'm going to go back into my day and find what that fun thing is and bring it back out. 
every single day. And you know what? I've already felt the benefits of it because you know what? Since I've started it, football season has been over. That's but football is my busy season here for Oregon State. Once football season ends, my busy season is over. It calms down quite a bit, and I need things to do. And I've got to say, like the, the benefit that this has brought to be able to do this, even with only 300 viewers of TikTok or 400 viewers in Instagram video, the benefits have been immense. I mean, I can only imagine like the, the jump I've taken in two weeks of editing and, and, and creativeness of, of shooting. I think it's just so beneficial and, and, and really just adds so many more tools to what's possible for myself in the future. For someone who's chasing a radio job, but hey, look at this social media profile I've built. Look at this. Look how valuable this is. Look at my storytelling. Look at my video editing. Look at all this stuff I can do. Look at all this stuff that makes me valuable. I mean, that's the whole point in all this. Like, I, to my point at the beginning, making a way to f- make yourself valuable. I think like this is it for both of us. Mm-hmm. It is putting as many tentacles out as possible, hands in as many jars as possible to try and make make ourselves valuable. And eventually one of those jars will lead us to being successful. I hope. Yeah. I think that's, I think you said that all well. And, and especially about, especially the part about us trying to broaden our skills a little bit. I mean, like example, we both did a bunch of broadcasting in college. I did it in the minors. Now I'm trying to focus a bunch on all this podcast content creation stuff. Again, like how TJ mentioned, these are the type of jobs I'm looking for. And the reason I'm going to New York City for a few months is because it's these type of sports media companies that do a lot of podcasting, that do a bunch of content creation, that do stuff on social media. Like That stuff really applies to me now. And, and it also seems to be the way most of media is trending nowadays. That's what's popular. So between really enjoying it and also wanting to stay with the times a little bit, I've started to focus my direction that way, but just how TJ's saying too, how he has radio experience, how he has play-by-play experience. Now he's, I mean, he, we both obviously do a bunch of stuff within this podcast that enhances our social media podcasting skills, but then he's doing his own personal stuff too. And what I'd say I'm doing more with my brand is, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about sports. I'm trying to broaden it out than doing more than just the Mariners, whether it's in baseball, I did some college football stuff here today, but above everything else, I'm trying to talk to people about what it's like to be in sports media. And I think once I get to New York, it'll be a little bit more transparent. I mean, sorry, I shouldn't say transparent. It's transparent now, but it'll be just, it'll be more interesting because I'll really be in the like day to day of actively trying to find my next job. And, And obviously I'm networking with people now, but it's a little different just being at home most days rather than like being in my destination that I'm set to go to. That's what I've been talking about mm-hmm. with people is like the lead up to going to New York City and all that. I think that'll be a little bit more of an intrigue to people, which I hope people find it interesting. But but yeah, like I I've enjoyed doing it too. I, I think it's I think it's very helpful. I think it just gives me something extra to do and and um you know, above everything else, like hopefully people find it interesting, I guess. And the best thing in New York about New York is I, I just don't think you know who you'll run into. You've already picked out people who you're gonna talk to and that you've already networked with, but in the city that never sleeps, you never know. Yeah, it's true. You know what's funny? If, I don't know if anybody's going to get this reference. Uh, and TJ had no idea who this person is. But when we were in New York a couple months back for our trip, we were at a bar in, in New York City. And we ran into Pilot Pete, of all people, while we were there, who was The Bachelor. Like, now, maybe nobody listening to this podcast is people who are diehard sports fans get that reference. But I ran into him. The guy happens to be a big Seahawks fan. So I, I walked up to him and said, go Hawks. And it led to us talking for like, I don't know, 90 seconds or so about the Seahawks. 
And that's just to TJ's point about you never know who you'll meet. Never in a million years that I think I'd see that guy. So, yeah, you never know. Maybe I'll meet some more people that, one, are, are interesting, but two, are, are unique to our own field. But, but yeah, you know, I, I think this is just us trying to show that, like, we're still going through it. We're still trying to find our next steps. So hopefully we're being transparent about that here in, in this segment. And we're certainly trying to work as hard as we can towards it. And hopefully we kind of find it. And to anyone who might be interested, we've had people DM us asking about it. Like, this is a, us being transparent about it, as Wild just said. Uh, like, let's be clear. It's not easy. It looks like a lot of fun when you've made it. And it is. But it's not easy. I'll just, you got you to buckle up. And you really got to look at yourself and think if you really want to do this. Because a lot of people really want to do this. The problem is most people with the money that fund these things know that you really want to do it. And that usually leads to there being less opportunity than you would think. Right. And, 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 and I will say the best way, if you want to do this, the best way, just start on your own. Yeah. You don't have to wait for anybody now more than ever. When we were in school, this wasn't the case, but now it is three and a half years later. If you want to make content, hell, if you want to call games, there's an Instagram account of people calling games with hundreds of thousands of subscribers, calling games on television, like on a TV. If you want to do any of that stuff, just start a channel, start a TikTok account, start an Instagram account, just do it. Just like, just do it. You would be, you're going to be your own best friend teaching yourself. You're going to be your own best networker and, and resume enhancer by just doing it yourself. Because Lau and I thought when we started this, we need an outlet to talk about something. Why, why don't we? Like we talk, do this, already talk about this every single freaking day. Why don't we just start? Right? And let me, let me uh, bring this back to my, like, my radio background again. So like at my station, like we have one live sports show. Like I'm not an everyday host of that show. So I don't get on-air reps every single day. I, talk, I record stuff every single day, but I don't get live reps every single day. But this thing right here allows me to do that. Lyle and I are like, we want to do a sports show. Okay, let's just start it. And look at us. You put a year into it. What was the stat you brought up, Lyle? Most podcasts don't make it past the third episode. 90% mm -hmm. don't make it past the third episode. Well, look at us here. Episode 80 fucking three. Yeah. And we, we, you want, we wanted to do this sports show, and we've made it happen. Yeah. I and mean, we talked about starting a Mariners podcast for a while, but it was kind of like how we've talked about. We always said if we were going to start it, we wanted to make sure we had the time make sure we had the right vision for it and make sure we were going to put a lot of effort into it. Cause I didn't want to be one of those podcasts that thought of a name, thought of a logo, made the Twitter account, put all this effort into the long form content. And then after three or four episodes, when you see it's hard to get listeners, you're like, well, are we going to record an episode this week? It's like, eh, maybe are we going to record one next week? Yeah. If I have time, no, we didn't want to do that. We wanted to put a lot of effort into it. We wanted to do a bunch of stuff on social media, not just posting show clips, but all the stuff you guys you guys have seen us do out at the field this year between talking to the fans and doing the player content and even some of the food reviews early in the year when we were doing that. Like we wanted to find interesting things to do. Like we wanted to be different. We didn't just want to sit down and record a podcast every week. Like we wanted to talk about the Mariners and we wanted to get nerdy with the analytics stuff, but we also wanted to make sure our personalities were showing. And we wanted to do some stuff that other people weren't really doing, which is some of this new school social content. And we have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it a bunch. And, and that's such a huge reason I think now I'm so zoned in on this idea of finding a job at a sports media company, doing podcasting and content creation is from everything we've done with this. Like I realized even more than doing the play-by-play -play stuff, which I always thought was going to be my path, that stuff's really fun. 
I'd love to do this for a career and a living one day. And, it, and there's, a, there's an outlet for it now. And there's also an outlet to be a fan and be in sports media, which I love. And, and when you're in journalism school, like we were, they tell you, yeah, you can't really do that. Well, that's not true anymore. You can absolutely do that. So I really love everything we've been able to do with this podcast because not only has it taught us a bunch, but it's, it's like opened my eyes even more to, oh, you should take this route. And I think the most important thing off of all of that you just said is that if we put enough work into this and we're this successful with it, I mean, this could be our job. Like if we, if, if we get to that point, it, it very well could be. If you're able to find a way to generate the revenue, you, you can do that. And yeah. I think that like that's something Lau and I realized in a, in a motivating factor a year in and seeing the growth and seeing some of the numbers that we brought in of what is possible if we keep doing this. And I'll say another beneficiary of us being over a year into this podcast is we understand for our own personal brands now what it takes. Again, I think I'm three weeks into doing my day in the lives. I have cracked 400 views on a TikTok once. One time. They've stayed pretty stagnant. And you know what? I've tried doing my own TikToks before. You know what I did after a month? I quit because this is the results I've gotten. But you know what? (laughs) Now that we've done it for an entire year and we know what growing a channel is like, I understand it's not going to happen overnight. And for all of you that would want to do this and want to do your own thing, it's not. Unless you get lucky and go viral, it's not going to grow overnight. You just got to put a lot of work into it and watch it grow. I remember when we first started our social accounts and I'd say to you, I see all these people blow up on TikTok all the time. Like, why isn't that happening to us? This was like a few weeks in. You're like, you'd been on TikTok more than I had at this point. You're like, you know, that's not the norm. That's the outlier. And I was like, well, maybe you've got a point there. And that's what we learned. We were getting three to 400 views on a lot of our early stuff. And it stayed like that for a while. And it was, you know, it was a consistent, steady buildup. And that's totally normal. That's totally fine. But if you keep putting effort into it, that's what happens. And we should clarify too about the having this become a potential job of ours one day. Like that's our dream, right? And we'll work toward that. We're, we're by no means sitting here saying, oh, like in a few months, that's going to happen. No, we're not saying that at all. We're, <laughs> no, we're just saying no. we are. I we are no, 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 no. We're just saying that one day we'd love to make that happen. I think we now aspire to make that happen. And we're, you know, and, and, and with that, like we said at the start of this, we've got no intention or idea by any stretch to stop this anytime soon. In fact, we've got some pretty unique and, and I, I, I don't, I don't want to say big, but I guess kind of big ideas we've got for year two. We might save that for our last episode of the year. We figured maybe on our final episode of 2023, we'd do a recap of like, oh, like what's the first basically full year of the podcast all culminated together look like, but just more tying it back now to us trying to find our next jobs and stuff like this has definitely helped us. I think it's definitely given us like a bunch of skills that maybe we didn't have as much of beforehand. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully it can lead somewhere. Hopefully mm-hmm. it leads somewhere with you with looking at these radio jobs. Hopefully in New York, I meet the right people and it turns into something. So, yeah. Yeah. And who knows where all this stuff leads down the road? Like we talk about like new, new school sports media, like you're looking at in radio as if there's the, there are these, astronomically different things they're not no one just has a government agency regulating it that's literally it the -hmm. fcc that's it it's the only difference yeah that's right that's that's 100 percent right they're not that different but a way that we stay the same is again we are just we're looking to move our path along and and find the next thing so as we start to kind of wrap this up i mean hopefully for 
people that found this somewhat interesting that you enjoyed it. If if you didn't like listening to us talk, uh, I guess we don't have to do it ever again. If you all were like, well, this was boring. I don't really care. Just talk about the Mariners. That's fine. But we just figured for those of you that might be interested to hear a little bit more about us and, and transparently where we're at and where we're both trying to get to, like we figured this would be a decent time to kind of sit and talk about it. And we, we thought this would be a good time for it because especially over the last couple of months, we, you and I off air have had a lot of conversations about this, about each of us trying to move along. So we're like, well, we're talking about it here. Maybe the people that listen to us would be interested to hear where we're at too. So hopefully at least you found it 1% interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah, really hope so. And again, if anyone has any questions, feel free to like, leave us a comment, shoot us a DM on Instagram, whatever, like we'll see it. Yeah. We're, we always love talking about the funny stuff on speak your mind, but if we get some feedback on this saying, Hey, like I like hearing more about you guys and your own lives you should do it more often if you like hearing us talk about it maybe every month ish or so we can kind of give some updates so yeah leave us a comment and let us know but with that i think that'll just just about wrap up this edition of the marine layer podcast you guys know the drill if you want to listen to the full form podcast you can do so wherever you find your audio side of the podcast if you do that make sure to download leave us a five-star review follow the show the reviews and downloads they help us out a bunch Go like, comment, subscribe on YouTube where we do our full video podcast and follow us on social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.